Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, I'm Sarah Bivens. And I'm Matthew Bivens. And this is the Doing It at Home podcast, the only podcast dedicated to empowering, loving, and honest conversations around home birth. What started as a fun way for us to document our own home birth journey has turned into a platform for sharing birth stories, resources, and education with the goal of empowering mamas and families to make the birth decisions that work best for them. Plus, we get into the antics, breakdowns, and breakthroughs of our own experience of marriage and parenthood. All right. You ready, babe? Yep. Let's do it, mama. Hey, guys. Welcome to the Doing It at Home podcast. It's birth story time, and we're talking to Alyssa Reeves today. Alyssa has been a longtime listener of the show and was really excited to now be on the show and part of this community and this narrative and conversation of empowered birth stories that inspired her and supported her in her own journey. So now she is sharing it with you mamas who I'm sure will be inspired by this. So we talked to Alyssa about her decision to go with home birth after some slight traumatic elements with her first birth of her twin boys in the hospital and creating something different this time around. And we also hear about the tools and some of the resources that Alyssa used and twist for this story, something we haven't talked about before on the show, but I'm really glad we are, is using an enema during the labor experience, particularly in transition to make you more comfortable uh, during pushing and just to relieve some discomfort or any challenges that you might be experiencing. So for those mamas who didn't know that was possible, like me, I didn't know that was a thing, now is something that you can look into as a possibility or something that might help you or support you in that experience. So I'm super grateful to Alyssa for sharing all the aspects of her story, particularly that because it's by having these conversations that we learn and we see what the possibilities are for ourselves. And it's sharing the tools and tips uh, to support one another and create the most empowered, beautiful experience possible. So thank you so much to Alyssa. We're so happy to have her here. Here's her story. Our family has grown. 
Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Hi, Alyssa. Hi, Sarah. What's up, Alyssa? Welcome to the Doing It at Home podcast. We're so happy that you're here hanging out with us today. I'm pretty excited to be here, too. I listened to you guys for all of my pregnancy and heard all these other wonderful stories, and I'm excited to share mine with the rest of the world. Mm. Oh, that's so cool. That really is amazing. I just love this community that we've created. And when we, you know, have someone like you on the show, Alyssa, who just says what you just said, um, gosh, this is like this paying it forward thing. And like, I heard all these amazing stories and so I want to hear mine. And it just keeps this ripple effect of the inspiration and the empowered conversation. And it's just so beautiful. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay, Alyssa. So kick us off with telling us just a little bit about you and your family. Okay, so um, obviously my name is Alyssa. Um, I have a wonderful husband um, named Kirk. We've been together for 11 years since high school. Um, we both work at our at a national laboratory in northern New Mexico um, as engineers, and we have uh, twin three-year-old boys. They'll be three next week, and a three-month-old little girl. So you and, just uh, have a few things going name. on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a little. <laughs> And you were saying, I think so, you were going to tell us their names. The boys' names are Sam and Nico, and my little girl's name is Zoe. I love all those names. Yeah, those by names the are way. great. Where did, where did the, <laughs> the name Nico come from? Uh, we just liked it. Same with Sam, and it's actually just Sam and just Nico. Um, it's not short for anything. They were just names that we heard around and we really fell in love with. Hmm. That's cool. I like that it's just Sam, mm-hmm. just Nico. Mm-hmm. I dig it. Yeah. yeah. I feel like Sam, Nico, and Zoe, too, would be really cool band members. I don't know. I could just see them. If they are <laughs> musically inclined, I'm just saying, I think that would be pretty cool. <laughs> well, if they got that, Gene, it's not for me. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> or like a, a, a Disney Channel TV show, because Maya Definitely. loves watching all these shows. Yeah. And they always have cool names. names. Yeah. Okay. Got it. <laughs> okay, moving right along. Um, Alyssa, why don't you give us just a little bit of backstory on what inspired you to have a home birth for Zoe? Because as I understand it, you did not for Sam and Nico and some of the circumstances around that kind of inspired and, you know, led you to want to create something different. Yeah, so um, Sam and Nico were, um, we had a hard time getting pregnant and so we were using fertility medication when we conceived the twins. Um, and at the time, like it's the classic story of home birth wasn't like, I didn't even know about it. Mm-hmm. I had the same, you know, stereotypical view of, you know, that's just something somebody does in a barn somewhere. Um, <laughs> so it wasn't even on my radar as, as something that we could do. And so, and also in, in where I live in rural northern New Mexico, twins are considered high risk from the moment they find out they're twins. Oh, okay. Um, so we were considered a high risk pregnancy. We had to see an OB and not the midwife that was at the practice at the time. Um, and so the pregnancy itself was very smooth as far as twin pregnancies goes. We had little to no complications. Um, we were induced at, our, at the very end because of high blood pressure. We delivered at our hospital 
Um, we actually ended up delivering in the OR because that's where they wanted us to be safe uh, to be okay. able to have an emergency C-section if we needed. But we didn't have to do that. They were both born vaginally. Um, but there was a lot of things like I didn't really want to have an epidural, but we had one because they wanted to make sure, again, in case we had to have an emergency C-section, which is a higher rate or higher risk when you have twins. Um, that way they could just, you know, kind of go and we didn't have to wait for something to be placed. Um, and so the birth itself was, was okay. Again, there's that whole, now that I've had the home birth and understand all those interventions, things that I think maybe did lead up to, but we ended up losing, um, I ended up losing about two liters of blood after I gave birth because the placentas weren't detaching as they're supposed to. Um, and I had to have a blood transfusion Mm -hmm. the next day. But, um, and so that in itself was maybe a little bit traumatic, um, just, you know, I didn't know it. I kind of had an, a feeling at the time, but after, like, it was, like, the next day that we learned, like, oh, yeah, it was a pretty significant bleed out. And, and um, we opted to have the blood transfusion so that I could help with breastfeeding. It was right. one of those things that I just, my mom breastfed all of us, all, me and my two brothers, with, like, no issues. And we were, like, super happy, healthy babies. And so I assumed it would be super easy for me. And, of, of course, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> Um, and so really, um, the birth itself wasn't as traumatic as my postpartum experience. Mm. And we were in the hospital for a week with a really unsupportive team of me kind of, and the boys, um, again, I live in a small town and so there wasn't a lactation consultant in town because they were born on Labor Day weekend. Um, so it was like three days before we actually saw a lactation consultant. The nurses helped. They, that's not really their main focus. Right. The neonatal unit, every time I turned around, the, the neonatal doctor was like, well, you have twins. You're going to be supplementing anyway, mm-hmm. period. There was no support for anything that I wanted to do. Um, and then, of course, because I lost so much blood, we, um, my milk took seven days to come in instead of the normal three or four. Mm-hmm. Um, so because of all of that, um, I started going to this wonderful local group that we have called birth talk. Um, and all of, a lot of the women there have had home birth or knew about home birth and, um, kind of opened my eyes to the fact that that was a possibility. And when we decided that we might, work going to try for another baby. Um, I went, you know, Kirk, I think I want to have home birth. And he was like, no, not happening. <laughs> um, and, and I, you know, cause he was afraid of something else going wrong, just as many of us are. And, um, and so I said, okay, well, we'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> and we kind of landed on, well, h- how about a birth center? And so we looked at birth centers. We live um, half an hour away from the closest one, an hour and a half away from the biggest one in the state from Albuquerque. And, um, we both kind of went, you know, if we're driving that far with a newborn baby, when we have to go home, maybe we should just do it at home. Mm. Um, and so after, I mean, I, I kind of had known that that was the route I wanted to go. I found a wonderful midwife, midwife, the, the one that actually has the center that's 30 minutes away. Um, and we went and talked to her and I told my husband, I was like, we don't have to make any decisions. I just want you to meet her and, and ask these questions on talk. And of course, as soon as he talked to her after, he was like, okay, I get it. Oh, like, she makes cool. that difference. 
That's great. Um, and so, so yeah, so our real drive was the postpartum care um, more than the birth. I, I got excited about the birth itself after listening to this podcast. And um, I actually didn't watch the business of being born until like my last month. Um, I actually watched um, the, the orgasmic birth. Mm, Yeah. I watched and, um, and that was a really cool one. It was sort of like, oh, wouldn't it be fantastic if we could all have amazing, like, <laughs> not painful births like that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Um, but it was very, that was kind of the first one that introduced me into that world. And so, yeah. Ooh. So that's what drove us to decide on a home birth. That's so, super cool. I want to go back to the conversations um, when Kirk first said that he did not want to do a home birth. And then you guys started talking about it, looking into the distance and everything. What were some of his, you know, we, you shared the things that happened with uh, the births of Sam and Nico, um, but can you remember, like, what were the top objections that Kirk had at the time? Well, so he was obviously afraid of um, postpartum hemorrhaging again. Um, but I think one of the bigger things is that, so when Sam, who was my baby A, so he was born first, um, came out, he had... Um, he inhaled some of the fluid. And so they immediately, he didn't cry right. He was blue, whatever. They immediately took him to the warmer. And Mm -hmm. again, knowing things now, I feel like maybe he would have been better on me, but um, Kirk saw something that I didn't see. I actually didn't meet Sam for 24 hours. Mm. Um, Wow. Sorry. Because of my blood loss, because they took him to the the effective NICU at our hospital, and I couldn't get out of bed, I didn't get to meet him. I didn't see, I saw pictures, but I didn't get to hold him or see him or know if he was blonde hair or brown hair or anything until Kirk showed me. So Kirk had to see a different side of the baby birth that I didn't. And I think that was actually a bigger drive for him. Yeah. Because yeah. he didn't want something to go wrong with the baby. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, so, and, and again, we, we talked through it. We had that conversation before we got pregnant. Um, and we didn't switch to the midwife until I was three and a half months along with, our, with Zoe. Okay. So, for those first three and a half months... The the plan was was hospital kind of with like you did with Sam and well, Nico or birth center. I kind of knew we were going to change, okay. but because I was already seeing, I was already in the books with the with the OB that Sam and Nico were born with. We kind of just, you know, the first three months is um, for anybody who's experienced pregnancy. It's kind of like you find out you're pregnant, you're so excited, and then you wait. Yeah, yeah. And you don't do anything. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> happens for three months. You just wait. Yeah, and so that's kind of where we were. Where we were like, you know, we'll just. Just hang out, see what happens later down the road. Yeah. Wow. So what were some things you were looking forward to uh, when it came to home birth and, and the things that you could influence and in creating your environment? What was some of that for you? Well, the biggest thing for me was being able to have a team that I didn't have to justify my wants and desires to. Like oh, I didn't yeah. have to explain to them that I wanted baby directly on me and that I wanted delayed cord clamping and then I wanted to breastfeed as soon as she could and only breastfeed like um just to have people that were of the same mindset that I didn't have to defend myself to <sighs> um 
And then, <laughs> and then the more I learned about home birth, the more I was like, oh yeah, just staying at home and being in my own space and um, being able just to lay down in bed afterwards. And, you know, all those things were obviously super appealing, but most of it was having that team that already knew what I wanted and already knew that those things were best for me and my baby. Yeah, I hear that. So it really just sounds like alignment of of the values and, and how birth is looked at and how you in particular could be uh, cared for, intended to, and very mother-baby-centered in that sense. And just, just having that can make yeah. all the difference. And then, you know, however the event unfolds, because all births, you know, have some quirk to them or something different from how mm-hmm. I'm sure we imagine them. But if you have that solid grounding of the people around you, then, I mean it can, it can just unfold the way that it needs to. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Ooh. So then what were the last couple of weeks of pregnancy like? Well, um, we'll actually go back to the whole last month of pregnancy (laughs) because she didn't come, um, until 41 weeks and five days. Mm. Um, so I quit working around 38 and a half, 39 weeks with the thought that, you know, oh, well, she's going to come in the next week. I'll have a few last days with the boys and then we'll, you know, kind of get there. And the, the boys, we made it to 37 and five days. Um, and so, and of course we were induced. So I had this, like, uh, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how long we'd go. I didn't know if my water would break um, with the boys. As soon as the contractions got very hard at all, which of course they, you know, were giving us Pitocin and all these other things. So I immediately got the epidural because I knew I had to have one anyway. And so it was just this, like, I don't know what to expect. Like I've, I've seen it, I've been through it, but I'm not experienced. And so we just weren't sure. Um, so 40 weeks came around and went and my midwife team, so I had a, a midwife with two apprentice midwives. Um, they started talking about in the state of New Mexico, the, the, rule, I don't know if it's a law, but it's the rule here that at 42 weeks, a midwife has to at least consult with an OB. Mm. And in my area, there are no OBs that wouldn't say, no, she needs to come in and get induced immediately. Um, And so they started these conversations of, we're going to start, you know, trying all the, you know, natural, I won't say induction, but encouragement methods, um, like, like, you know, walking all the time, um, having sex more often. Um, we actually even went, we had acupuncture treatments, um, all of those things just to say, let's see if we can't get something to start. Um, we didn't officially do anything, um, until our 41 week appointment. So we hit 40 weeks, came and went, um, I was doing all the things walking. I started acupuncture. I had three different rounds of acupuncture, um, none of which helped, (laughs) unfortunately. (laughs) Um, I was taking the evening primrose oil just orally. I was eating all the pineapple I could, like <laughs> just everything. We had eggplant parm because of the, your guys' story about eating eggplant yeah. parm. <laughs> like we like, I like, we just did everything and anything. I was like, we're just gonna like just try because I really, really didn't want to have to do the hospital route. Um, and 41 weeks came and we went into CDOB, uh, uh, midwife. And, um, she, um, we, she recommended stripping membranes. So we actually did that. 
found out at that point that I was already four centimeters dilated. Oh, wow. Um, and wow. probably about, I think it was like halfway a face. So I okay. was, I was, things were happening, but I felt like nothing. I had all kinds of breaths and hicks in the, in the evening, but the second I laid down, everything went away. Mm. Um, and so like every night I would go to bed and be like, tonight's the night, tonight's the night, tonight's the yeah. night, and then it wouldn't happen. And so at our 41 week appointment, when she stripped our membranes, I went home, I was like, okay, it's going to happen because you know, this is what happens. And, and, um, I was so upset the next day when nothing had changed overnight. Um, this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall. He knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working. The HVAC is humming and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. And so I actually went through, I met with my doula a few times during the pregnancy, but I think I met with her the most in that last week. Like I saw her like every day going, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> and um, we actually worked through writing out a whole plan, uh, preferences plan for the hospital in case we had to go. Mm. Um, you know, the things like we want to do the delayed cord clamping. And if you're going to induce, we want to do the minimum dosage just mm -hmm. to start it. And then we'll go from there. Um, please don't do anything without talking to me and, you know, making sure that it truly is informed consent mm -hmm. um, and all of, all of those things. And then, so I had written that up and let's see, we tried some homeopathics a few days later and that still didn't happen. I thought my water broke at one point because I had like a, just a larger feeling of wetness mm. one of the mornings that I had gotten up. And so we went down and had that, um, did the swab testing for that and it wasn't water. It's just, at the end of pregnancy, you just have all kinds of discharge. Stuff. Yeah. Lovely. There's this <laughs> stuff happening. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so when we went, actually, when we went and checked there, um, that again, she went ahead and stripped membranes again, um, just to see if maybe that time it wouldn't help. And of course it didn't do anything. And at that point I was like, nothing's working. This isn't going to happen. You, it's like you get to this stage at the end of your pregnancy where you are convinced you will be the first woman in history to not give birth. Yes. <laughs> to like yes. not give birth to the baby. Like you just like, just. Even though you know it's completely unrealistic, you still start to believe that. <laughs> I know. Oh. Um, it's so hard. And I got to the point where I had people that I, you know, I, I put up a nasty Facebook message where I was like, nobody text me unless I tell you you can. Yeah. Because I was so have. frustrated with people like calling me like, so how you doing? Where's the baby? And I'm like, well, obviously she's not here yet. Right. And I know you guys care, but text somebody else and not me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that was really hard. So we, they came to check on us, um, Friday and we talked about, we were like at our last thing, we were going to try castor oil and 
couldn't find castor oil in my town that I only have like one grocery store and one drugstore. <laughs> and so I had um, one of my doula's friends went and picked some up um, from our, our near, nearer, larger town for us. And we picked that up and we had it ready to go. And they, the midwife said, well, on, on Sunday, we're going to try this. That way, if it doesn't work, you have Monday to recover. And Tuesday was our 42-week date. Um, and we would have to at least make the phone call. Um, and they had advised me, my midwife had advised me, no, you don't have to go in. I still feel my body and I still get to say yes or no, I'm going to agree to do this. Um, and so we were, I kind of had this plan in my mind that I was going to like call and just talk and then just not talk to him for a couple of days and then go in. Mm. Um, we had had a, um, an ultrasound after 41 weeks to do just the general checkup. And, you know, my feeling was that everything was fantastic and she was great. She was moving fine. And um, I could feel her when she was doing her practice breathing in utero, which was very cool. I didn't feel that with the twins. Oh, wow. Um, and everything was fine as I had felt. Um, and so they were like, okay, well, we'll try castor oil on Sunday. And so early Saturday morning, I'm ready to get in, into birth story, I guess. Did you guys have any other Oh, let's do it. Points yeah, you wanted I'm ready. To touch on? Okay. No, go for it. <laughs> okay. So early Saturday morning, um, I was laying in bed and I finally started feeling the true contractions, mm. like the down low sort of menstrual crampy feeling. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's something, it's there. Um, and so for the whole, the whole day, they can, it kind of came on and off. Um, nothing was something I, like I could hide it all. So we went, you know, we took the kids to the local nature center. I actually went and talked to um, my backup doula, who was a yoga instructor, and she gave me a really fun yoga routine to try um, that was sort of gentle inversions. She basically said that when somebody pushes on you with constant pressure, you, you know, you can eventually ignore it. But if somebody taps on you, it's a little bit harder to ignore. So she's like, so we're going to tap on the uterus. Hmm or the cervix and make the cervix go, Oh yeah, there's something supposed to be happening. So. Wow. <laughs> um, and so we went and we, we got that routine from her. We went home, kind of took it easy. I hadn't told, like I told my husband and I hadn't told anybody else yet. Um, and I did the yoga routine and then the contractions really kind of started coming a little bit more consistently. They were still 20, 30 minutes apart, but it was finally a consistent number. Um, and so before bed, I texted my doulas or my doula and my midwives and said, you know, I'm starting to feel activity. There's actually something happening now. I will let you guys know what happens in the middle of the night. Um, and so when I went to bed, they were around 20 minutes apart. And at two in the morning, I woke up and I couldn't sleep through them anymore. Hmm. Um, and so I timed them again and they were around 10 minutes apart. So I texted him. I'm like, I can't sleep anymore. I'm going to get up. We'll go from here. Um, and, um, you know, I got up, I had pre-frozen some, um, groaning muffins. They're like sort of pregnancy, but also breastfeeding friendly muffins. And I had made the batter frozen it. So I pulled that out, defrosted it and made muffins. Um, that's cool. And, and I just kind of waited to see what the contractions were going to do. And so, and of course they shortened up after I got up and was a little bit more active and walking around. So when they were six or seven minutes, um, my midwife were like, you know, where are they at? Can we, you know, we're going to go ahead and head that way. They lived 30 minutes to an hour away. Oh, okay. Um, and I called my mom 
um, to come and get the boys and my dogs. Um, and so that we woke them up in the middle of the night, and <laughs> took them to Graham's house. <clears throat> um, well, my, my Graham came over and, and got them and we stayed there. And, and as they were leaving, my doula showed up. Um, my midwife texted me again and they were like, well, do you have the birth pool set up? And in my head, I'm like, do we need the birth pool set up? Like, is it that close? Like, oh my gosh. And so we um, kind of did this like mad dash to get the birth pool set up that we didn't actually need, but we got it set up in our bedroom. We filled it up and then we left it uncovered. <laughs> and that was a mistake. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, you know, the, the birth team showed up and when everybody got there and I think with the pool and stuff like that, I had gotten so excited that my contractions slowed down again. Mm. And so we went, they went back to about 10 minutes, 15 minutes apart. And mm. so um, everybody was like, okay, well, we'll just go, you go back to your room. Um, they kind of all took a nap in the living room. Me and my husband went back to my room with the lights low and tried to like, just sort of calm down and relax and see if we couldn't get things started again. Um, and it kind of didn't work. That was about four in the morning. So round about six, um, we all kind of got up and, you know, were looking at doing things. And um, the midwife had me do the um, the yoga routine again just to see if we couldn't get that going. And then we did, uh, we actually did rebozo shifting. So if you guys haven't heard of that, um, I think spinning babies is one of the places that it that it's um, popularized mm-hmm. with, but it's, you know, it's an, kind of an old tradition. Um, a rebozo is just a long 25 to 30 inch wide piece of fabric, mm. cotton woven fabric. Um, and and you they wrapped it around my belly and I would sit on my hands and knees or on the ball and they would just sort of really gently rock my belly. And it felt really gentle to me. I guess my husband's like, no, I was working up a sweat. Ah! Um, <laughs> but all it does is... is um, basically position helped Zoe get to where her back was in my, to my front, Mm. you know, just to get in that optimal position. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that helped and the contractions had sort of started coming closer. And then um, let's see it, you know, somewhere in there, I guess um, the apprentice midwives were the ones who had shown up and my, um, the main certified midwife had the stomach flu. And so she didn't come, but they sent, um, they sent a, a the backup midwife um, down and took her a little bit longer to get there. So at 10 o'clock, she showed up. And I'm pretty sure that it's like fate that, that she came. Um, and I'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. But, but um, she was awesome. And she came and she immediately started giving me cotton root bark tincture, hmm. um, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's, the, it's a tincture made out of cotton root bark, like your classic cotton plant that we make clothes out of um and it helped strengthen co- the contractions but also helped the regularity of the contractions. Okay. and she gave it to me every 15 minutes through the end of the pregnancy so every 15 minutes I would take this little shot and it didn't taste that great didn't taste that bad um but they were like handing me water or snacks here and there and I was like you know I don't want an IV so I will drink whatever you guys want to give me <laughs> um and, and probably about an hour or two after she started giving me that, I started kind of feeling like weepy. Um, I was walking up and down the stairs and every now and then I'd get like a wave of nausea mm. and I was starting to think like, oh, well, maybe this is it. Maybe I'm going through, you know, transition. 
And it um, just kind of just kept not happening and not happening and not happening. And um, I got, I started to get really tired. Um, even though I was eating and drinking, I still just got really tired. We've been up since two in the morning. I honestly don't remember what we had to eat the night before. Like, um, and so I, um, I asked one of the, I asked if I could lay down and she's like, well, I won't let you, you know, completely lay down in supine, but we'll prop you up with some pillows and you can take a rest. Hmm. And so they literally put a whole bunch of pillows up behind me, put my legs in like butterfly pose, like a Buddha. Mm-hmm. And I just lay down and I took a nap for like 45 minutes nice. and it was amazing. Yeah. Awesome. I remember during that, like I remember um, the contractions had gotten pretty intense. And so um, I remember she came to wake me up to give me the cotton root bark tincture. And I remember going, this is why, not that I want it, this is why women choose to have epidurals. This is why they choose yeah. to get C-sections. Like I get that in yeah. this moment. I understand I'm tired and this hurts and I have no idea when it's going to end. Um, but I, in, in no way, shape or form did it ever cross my mind to say, I want to go in, I want to change this plan. Um, and so another 15, 20 minutes went by and they came and woke me up and they gave me some more, um, they gave me some oatmeal and some water. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like, I feel so much better. I can do this. Like I like, I had like another wave of energy come through. Um, and Let's see. So earlier in the morning, they had, they had, I was okay with doing cervical checks at this point. I was like, well, we're four centimeters. Like <laughs> we may as well just kind of keep an eye on where everything's at. Mm-hmm. Um, and so earlier in the morning, they had checked me and I was completely dilated and almost completely effaced. And after my nap, they checked again and I was around seven centimeters. So I didn't even know it was possible for you to like undilate. <laughs> to yeah. like contract back down like I didn't even know that was a thing um but it wasn't it wasn't terribly concerning to me I mean it made sense if you lay down and have a rest your body's not as active um so anyway the whole day I had been going pee and I'd been going to the bathroom like every 20 minutes and I still had not um had a a bowel movement Mm. and so I kind of like in back of my head I was like you know what I just like everybody talks about how you have all these like really loose stools before the baby comes. Like it's one of the signs of the baby coming mm-hmm. and I hadn't had that. And every time I tried to go to the bathroom, I hated laboring on the toilet. I hated it. Mm-hmm. Everybody, well, not everybody, but there's a lot of women that talk about liking it. I thought it was the worst place. Like it was so awful. It was so painful. Um, and so I actually hadn't, I hadn't passed anything. And so I told um, the midwives, I was like, you know, I, I kind of feel like this is holding me back. Like, I, I just, this seems like something's not moving forward because of this. And here's where I'm just, I've decided it's fate that we had our, our substitute midwife was that the normal team that we had didn't normally carry the things for an enema. And my substitute midwife did. Ooh. And so she's like, well, I have stuff in my car. Do you want to try it? And I was like, you know what? Let's do it because it, I need something to change. Like I need this to progress. I just feel like we're stuck in the same spot. Um, and so they're like, okay, well, we're going to get prepped. We're going to eat a little bit of dinner. This is about four or five o'clock in the afternoon. Um, and then we'll go ahead and go ahead and try that. Um, and so they went and got everything prepped and 
they, you know, we laid down right next to the bathroom door. My bathroom's a little bit small for, you know, trying to shove three people plus a pregnant woman in there. Um, but right next to the bathroom door and they laid out everything to help keep it clean. And she explained to me that she's like, well, we're going to pump a whole bunch of fluid and we want you to try and hold it in for 10 to 15 minutes and then go sit on the, on the toilet. And I was like, okay, okay. And so they started pumping it in and I had a contraction and I was like, well, this is super uncomfortable. And, um, they kept pumping it in. And on the next contraction, like I went through transition, I threw up. I sprayed everything out the back end. Like it was, it was kind of a mess, but I went through transition in my head. I was like, okay, this is awful, but we're getting somewhere. Wow. <laughs> and so I got up, they cleaned up. I went and cleaned up in the shower. The contractions did start getting super intense. Like I started like having to super vocalize through them to like grunt and, and super groan and, um, and so that was, that was an improvement. <laughs> and, um, they were like, okay, well, we'd like to, you know, check you again now that you're starting to get, you know, a little bit louder. And I was like, okay. So they we laid down and they checked again and I was back to nine centimeters, completely effaced. Um, and they checked through a contraction and they could feel the water bag bulging. Um, but it wasn't popping. And so I, um, labored, some more and I remember like they had gotten super intense at that point and this was when that point where I'm like all right Kirk we're done you need to get yourself fixed because we're not having any more like this is it like and they kept coming really strong and really close together and I like but they weren't changing so again in my head I'm like these are all the same I can't keep this level of intensity up for that long like how come it's not like I feel like at this point it should be getting worse or less something should change. Um, and so I hadn't gotten in the water. We had blown that birth pool up and not used it. And so it had super cooled off and they filled it up again with hot water and covered it this time. Um, and so they were like, well, let's do this. You know, if you're interested, we will go ahead and pop your water and um, my amniotic sac, I should say. And we'll, you know, we want you to do the stairs two more times and then you can get in the tub. Mm. And I was like, okay, like, like, all right, we'll do that. Um, so they went ahead and broke my water and it was super clear, which is kind of abnormal for, um, being so far along in pregnancy. Oftentimes when you go way past your guest date, the baby will sometimes poop and you'll have the hob meconium in the fluid, which Mm. is just something to keep an eye on. It can mean an increased risk of infection, but it doesn't, not an absolute. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the water was super clear, which they were happy to see. And they're like, okay, so you get up, you go do the stairs and then we'll come back to the bedroom. And, um, and I was like, okay, well, I'll try. And I literally did two stairs. <laughs> yeah. I had like this whole flight and I got two stairs and it was like, I was, contracting one on top of each other like I was having literally like seconds in between um I started feeling like I needed to throw up again and I was like okay guys like I think I'm gonna poop again and everybody's like oh okay like everybody got really excited and I was like okay they're like okay we're gonna go ahead and walk you to the room and put you in the tub like you're super progressing we'll we'll do this um and so they walked me to my bedroom door which is probably all of like 10 steps and my body started pushing. 
And I was like, guys, we're not making it to the tub. Like, this is happening mm. here and now. Wow. And um, my midwife and my husband basically carried me to the water. And um, and so I just kind of stepped over and in, and I leaned over the tub, um, holding on to my husband. Um, and my body was, like, just, I mean, doing everything. Like, I, I was conscious of everything happening, but my body was doing it, um, which was a just a really cool bizarre feeling <laughs> like um and I remember the midwife telling me that I needed to wait for contractions to push and they were like well you know if her head's coming out do you want to reach down and feel her and I literally could not fathom moving my arm from my husband's arm to reach down to feel her head it wasn't like I didn't want to it was just like how would I move my arm I don't understand <laughs> that concept like that's just not going to work right now. Mm. Um, and so let's see, she was born in about four pushes. Wow. And she, she came out and she, she pooped right away in the water, which was fine. Um, they passed her up underneath me to me. And there's this like incredible moment. Like this is like one of those things that like I, I didn't expect to feel, but the second that she was all the way out, like the whole phase of, of, um, labor land, the whole haze like disappears. Like you're like in this other world, just focused on getting through the next contraction. And the second my baby came out, like it was so clear and I didn't feel any pain. And I like could just hold her and look at her and not, it was just incredible. Like that first feeling is amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they, they, put her on my chest. They rubbed it down a little bit. She had a whole bunch of vernix on her. Um, she started breathing right away. There was like no, no issues or anything like that. They went ahead and had me get out of the water pretty much right away because they wanted to monitor the blood loss. Mm -hmm. um, and so they had me help, help me step out up over the water and, and onto like one of the Chuck's pads and kind of basically just held me up um, while I delivered the placenta. And again, like I expected that to hurt more and it was like, I could feel the contraction, but it didn't hurt. Like it was like in my peripheral. <laughs> um, and then when they, you know, after they had delivered that, they moved us all to um, my bed, which was just a few steps away. But there was sort of like, there's an, it was a normal amount of blood, but it seemed like a lot to somebody who's lost blood before. Mm -hmm. um, my husband was like a little bit freaking out. He's like, you know, like you could see the look on his face and my doula, bless her heart. She turns to him and she goes, this is normal. Mm. This is completely normal. Yeah. He's like that right there paid for itself. Like if that's oh, all she had done the entire time, he's like, I would have paid all the money in the world for that moment. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so then we just laid down on the bed and, and though we latched on like right away, they just, we just laid there the midwives just helped clean everything up. They did like two loads of laundry. There was not a drop of blood on my floor. Like <laughs> they pulled the tub down. It was amazing. We just hung out. Um, and then it was like two hours later before they came back to um, cut her cord and do her measurements. Um, they helped me stand up and, and go rinse off in my shower, which is again, like, Put that at the top list of amazing feelings, like clean sheets, taking a shower post-birth, you know, like just, it was, that's one of those really awesome feelings. Yeah. Um, 
And then we laid down and they're like, okay, we're going to go. We'll see you in a day. <laughs> wow. Um, and it's just, it was really nice. Like, and, and everything has been, my postpartum experience from that to here has been night and day. Like I had, I keep kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. I didn't have postpartum depression with the boys. I think I probably had postpartum anxiety or obsession. I tracked everything they ate, every bowel movement, you know, like I was just obsessive about it. Um, and because I wanted to be completely breastfeeding and we weren't. Um, and with her, I've been so happy. It's almost, I mean, I'm not saying it's been easy. There's definitely like some hard stuff, but this has been completely different than the last time. Um, I'm sure some of that's because, you know, I only have one baby instead of two at once. Yeah. But, um, but it's, it's been amazing. Like I just, I didn't expect it to be this awesome, I guess. Wow. So, so yeah, that's pretty much it. She was, she was born at seven. Oh, I've forgotten at this point. 736, I believe. Um, so from breaking our water to her being born was only like 35 or 40 minutes. And then um, from standing in the doorway going, this is happening here and now, it was eight minutes. Oh, wow. So four or five wow. contractions. Like it was boom, boom, boom. So it's like just one of those things that was like, you know, I, I was at that point, I, I wanted things to change and they changed. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I'm, yeah, it was really cool very cool experience uh that's so and beautiful i i have to say one other thing because this is like super important to me that um I, I feel like with my boys i was part of it but my my boys were delivered i didn't do, you know did things but it wasn't i was following instructions i was they were delivered to me zoe i birthed like mm. i did that all on my own and I feel like I went through this ritual that I didn't even know existed um I'm a pretty scientific person I you know I'm an engineer I do math and numbers and science and I feel connected to all those like ancient women of the past that have done this because they did it the same way and um it's a really incredible feeling to have that when you're I don't know, just more of a scientific mind and not as, I don't know, connected that way, spiritual. So mm, That's beautiful. Melissa, you're it's, doing things yeah. to me in this conversation. <laughs> I've welled up multiple times in this conversation. <laughs> oh, so, what a, what yeah. a beautiful gift for, I mean, everyone that was involved to be a part of, and then I feel like for you to receive as a woman, as a mother, um, just bringing your experience kind of full circle with you, what you said, that connection, and then also I'm sure healing some stuff from prior, and um, mm -hmm. oof, that's just, that's really juicy. Yeah. So I, it's it's been a very cool experience, and I'm so glad, and you know, we're done having kids at this point. That was a decision we kind of already made. Mm. But in in my mind, like, you know, coming to Zoe, I was afraid of the birth because I didn't know what it was going to be like. And I didn't, you know, kind of that, that first born fear that you have of like, what's going to go wrong or what's, you know, um, how much is this going to hurt sort of thing. And now I don't want more children, but if I had more, 
the birth is not what's holding me back. Like I'm not afraid of it anymore. Mm. I could do that again. It's, it's not the most comfortable thing, <laughs> but it's not, that's not what's holding me back. Like right. we're just, we're happy with three. We don't want to move on from there. And that's right. a cool feeling too, to like experience that and know I could do that again if I needed to. Oh, that is really cool. So that's yeah. so much power in what you've said there. There are so many people who are listening right now who the last five minutes of this conversation has has empowered them and lifted them up just because of you know what you experienced, but then how you shared it and and uh, and everything you had to say. That is, that's incredible. That's amazing. Thank you. Alyssa. And I I hope I hope that I help people like like others helped me. I'm sure. I have no doubt in yeah. my mind. Ooh. Alyssa, um, any final, I mean, you've done so much, but is there any <laughs> final thing that you want to leave for, you know, mamas who might be, you know, with some of that fear that you were talking about of like going into whether it's their first birth or third or fifth, you know, if some of that fear is popping up, just anything you can kind of leave them with some encouragement, some love affirmation. Well, one of, one of the affirmations that I really liked is from Birthing from Within. There's a, it's a book called Birthing from Within that was written um, actually by an author that lives here in New Mexico. But the affirmation that they have there is, um, yes, birth is hard work. Um, it can be painful. It may be painful for you, but you can do it. Mm. Like your body is built to do this. You are capable. Yeah. And my other thing that I kind of thought through the whole time was it's temporary. You're going to get through this and it's going to go away. All you have to do is just keep taking that next step. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's great. Alyssa, thank you so, so much for hanging out with us. We really appreciate you and you're, you're the bomb. Thanks for having me. You guys, thanks (laughs) for coordinating this world and opening others to this possibility. Quick note about the Doing It at Home podcast. Matthew and I are not doctors or medical professionals, and nothing we say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. If you have medical or health-related questions, please take them to a trained professional. We're here simply to entertain you with stories and conversations about pregnancy, birth, and parenthood. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad-approved? Datages. Hi there, I'm Chad Higgle. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Datages. That's D A D A G E S, wherever you listen to your podcasts.